0: Tom Moran from Tom's Big Spiders here about the tackle, one I've gotten a lot of questions about lately, which is Mbal in a communal setup. Uh, this one, I get tons of questions, and I did a whole series of videos on YouTube, but I also started a series on my blog, and I realized afterwards I kind of abandoned it partway through, only because it wasn't really getting a lot of hits, so at the time, I figured it was easier to show people via video what this these setups looked like and the behaviors than to describe them. But unfortunately, some people started following the blog ones and then said we didn't finish up. And I just think there's a lot of questions surrounding them. Um, so what I'm going to try to do here is break down basically what I did when setting up my communal, give you a little bit of the background on it, and relate to you guys some of the information I've received from other people who have attempted communals. Now, to start off... The whole reason I set up this communal was with the full anticipation of documenting the entire thing. I wanted, when I looked up communals, I found a lot of uh, smaller, you know, blog people who'd start blogs about them, or I'd find some things on the forums where people would mention that they set one up but there was never anything that really documented it from beginning to end that I found so if somebody out there is like oh I did this years ago I apologize and I need to make it very clear I am obviously not the first person to try one of these there were pioneers way before me that had been doing these with the umbalfori that got the word out that they could be kept communally however when I was doing my research I didn't find a lot talking about how it all ended up it was a lot of I put them in they're doing okay a um, couple places they actually rehoused them which was great but I really wanted to know what does it look like from beginning to end. So with that in mind, uh, Tanya from Fear Not Tarantulas was amazing. Hooked me up with nine slings for basically this project to hook up and create a an M balfouria, a Monocentropus balfouri communal. So to start off, the first thing I did was set them up. And one of the things I had heard about the M balfouri that was different from other species that you could keep communally was that they did not require cramped quarters. Now, let me explain that. With some species, and I'm thinking of uh, H. gigas being one, one of the stipulations for keeping these guys successfully is that you have to keep whatever amount of slings you put together in a small space so they can't develop their own territories. The issue is if you drop a bunch of these slings into a huge enclosure, the slings will adapt burrows possibly across the way from each other in different corners of the enclosure, and they basically stake out their own territories. Now, what happens here is eventually and inevitably, one of them is going to wander out and cross into the other territory. And instead of acting like sacmates because they know each other or like buddies, like you want to see in a communal setup, one of them ends up eaten. And this has been proven several times with this species. Um, there are other species as well where they say you have to uh, piezotheria. There are a few species of piezotheria that can supposedly be kept together this way, and it's one of those deals where it's not an ideal communal setup. And I will get into one, one thing I would like to do eventually in another podcast and the video and on the blog is address which species are communal and what are the rules for them. and, I, I tend to see the ones that you have to cram together not truly communal some of them like Pesolitheria species I know there's one and I can't remember which particular species it was off the top of my head but because of flooding during certain seasons they all take to the trees and because there are so many of them in the area they are kind of forced to tolerate each other and tolerate being the key word so when you see communal you're thinking community you want to, I want to see personally I wanted to see tarantulas to interact not just hey here you are let's fight over some food and go our separate ways And that was my main motivation by setting this one up. So one of the things I had heard is they didn't need to be all crammed together. So I originally planned on starting with six or seven slings. I had nine and the enclosure I had custom made from a place we won't mention because they end up closing up and screwing some people over was an acrylic enclosure that was 7 inches by 7 inches by 10 inches. Now, anybody listening to this that um, is looking at this going, wait a minute, I thought you told me 8 by 8 by 11. I honestly thought that was the dimensions, but I actually went back and revisited the blog post where I talked about it, and it was 7 by 7 by 10. 8 by 8 by 11 would still work. So you want to give them a little bit of room. I started them off with deep substrate, and there's been some questions about whether the substrate needed to be dry or moist. My opinion is, is that they do very well if you look at Socotra Island, where they come from, and the humidity there and the rainfall they have a very dry climate part of the year if not much of the year there's not a lot of humidity so I do think these are one of those rare types of slings that can thrive when not kept completely moist however I will say that when I started this setup I did put a layer of moist substrate on the bottom and then packed some drier stuff it was a mix of sand I had a little sand mixed in and topsoil and a little peat and use that as my substrate and put that on top. So the top of it was pretty dry. And what I figured is if they needed more moisture, they could easily, and I've seen many, many slings and spiders do this, they can dig down to the moist levels and build burrows where they need it. And just, you know, to spoiler alert, they didn't do this. They mostly stayed up top. I allowed, I did keep a water dish in there with them, but I allowed the substrate to completely dry out and they were fine so do they need moist substrate in my experience they do not but would I tell people necessarily to start them completely dry no do what I did put some moist on the bottom put some you know dry on top if you see them burrowing to that moist level and they seem to like that then then keep it moist but personally I haven't seen that they needed it so in this uh, set up, I did give them several pieces of cork bark to hide beneath. And one thing, I, one of the questions I had before I even started right off the bat was would they all take to different burrows or would they eventually gravitate toward the same burrows? And what I found that I thought was pretty darn amazing is that when I put these guys into the enclosure, what they did was basically go right to the same burrow. The majority ended right in the same burrow. Some of them went to different ones. And then later on, they all ended up in the same general area. So it seemed to me fairly obvious that this species didn't just tolerate each other. They were looking for members. To me, this was my observation, and I have other people say the same thing. It looked to me like they were purposely looking for members of their, sa- or their group to make this new home with. So within about a week they had started webbing up and I noticed the majority of them were coming out of one hole they had all gravitated together even though when they first set out some of them went into one hole some of them went other directions and you can see the video of this I I would anybody that enjoys this uh, podcast if you'd like to go onto my YouTube channel I have a whole group of basically the whole first year one just about one every month I did a video on what was going on you can see all the stuff in action so they all eventually ended up in the same thing and that was a huge question for me Wondering what would happen with these guys would they would I have to worry about cannibalism? Would I see like you know maybe one pack would create a little den in one corner and one pack would do in the other and they'd they wouldn't play nice when they encountered each other, but that wasn't the case at all so I was able to cross that off of my list rather quickly and come to the conclusion that, yes, indeed, they do like to be together, they, at least as slings, and this basically backs up, if you've seen M. Balfourri, videos of M. Balfourri's with their mother, the mothers are fantastic mothers, they will take care of the slings, there are fascinating stories if you look online about the mothering instinct of the spider mothers will kill prey they will leave the prey there and let the babies kind of crawl on it and feed on it people have talked about the fact that when you go to take the babies from the mother the babies will basically crowd underneath the mother and you will face off against you to try to protect them and I was even reading something recently where somebody said that when they take babies away from the M. Balfouris if they take all of them the mother actually I'm going to use the word show signs of depression. We can't really say that, but the mother definitely seems to be affected by it. Um, unlike other animals, I'm thinking of cows. When you take a baby away, they move for a little while and then they seem to forget about it rather quickly. These guys don't seem to. So a lot of people have kept to keeping a few slings with the mother when they take them away so that she has something to continue nurturing. That is pretty cool, especially coming from Basically bugs, things that most people think aren't very bright. That's, that's amazing mothering instinct. So it would make sense that the babies would be used to tolerating each other because unlike other species where the mom might take care of them for a week and then they all go off their separate ways, they stay with mom. So therefore, obviously, they have to tolerate each other. So there's low cannibalism. I, I didn't see any with any of mine, obviously, and other people report the same thing. So that was something that I thought – was uh, incredible. The other thing that we'll talk about was the eating. When I put these guys into the enclosure, I started off by ripping, this is going to sound gross, but I would take roaches and crickets and rip them in half and leave them in front of the burrows and these guys would come out and grab pieces of these and start eating and, and the neat part was they would come out and in some cases you'd have two or three of them eating the same piece of cricket until one of them got a little greedy and then there'd be a little scuffle but there was no real aggression they would mostly just wrestle until one of them ended up with a piece or in one case they ripped it apart Jurassic Park 2 style and each of them took half of it which I thought was cool and then they would kind of go to their own areas and eat so some cases they would sit right together dine together eat together peaceably other cases they would kind of spread out and eat by themselves but the one thing I noticed that kind of blew my mind right off the bat, was how well they got along during the, the feeding process. I've only seen a handful of scuffles over prey items, and how readily they ate and how much they ate in these situations. I had previously raised three M. Balfouri. I got them as large sling juvenile size, and they took forever. We're talking three years for something that started off as like an inch and a quarter to reach, you know, three and a half inches or so for a female they didn't eat well in the winter they disappeared a lot of times uh I would have to leave pre-killed prey because even like when I go to drop in a medium cricket which for a tarantula that size is no problem they were terrified of it. they would not go at the cricket so I had to drop in smaller prey items and what I think now just realizing how the mothers take care of them is for a lot of it the mom does kind of nurture and take care of them to begin with so they're used to eating dead prey so I had somebody comment on one of my videos and I think I already addressed this where they made a comment about you don't feed tarantulas dead prey well no I think with this one this is Is totally appropriate because that's something the mother would do. She would kill something and feed them for him, just like you know, a dog or cat or something of that nature. Which again. Awesome stuff. So they will eat together without conflict and they will eat much better. I found, and I just talked to another keeper that's seeing the same thing, they eat much better, more readily when kept together. There seems to be strength in numbers with these guys. That is an actual social benefit of keeping them together. The fact that when keeping them separately, they don't seem to want to eat very much. They um, will take winters off. They're afraid of larger prey, put them together, they're eating machines. So it wasn't too long. I think it was maybe after the second molt. So they'd put on a little bit of size. They'd probably been about an inch, inch and a quarter. I started dropping in small crickets and they were taking them down no problem, where the ones I'd raised by themselves would not even take small crickets at that point. It, they would come out and hunt. It was great to watch. Sometimes two of them would go for the same one, but it would always end with one getting it, the other one going to get another one. So feeding wise, one of the things I saw right off the bat was they fed better, they fed more often, they did not take the winter off like my other species that I kept separately did my other I mean my other specimens and they did not fight so again really cool stuff as far as container sizes to keep them in that seven by seven by ten is just what I did that is a ballpark so I know a lot of people try to emulate this stuff perfectly and I get that I know if I had found something out there that said this is what I use this is what worked I would have done the exact same thing I was kind of winging it a bit but please keep in mind this is just how I kept them there are other people out there keeping them totally different I had somebody ask would it be okay to keep them in a 12 by 12 exo terra if you got like one inch slings I've seen, I believe, Mark from Mark's Tarantulas has kept his in that setup and did a neat thing where he, did the, he had to slant the substrate a little bit and give them some places to anchor webbing to. They are kind of a species that won't burrow. They burrow to a point, but they're not really fossorial. And if you give them some ornaments above the ground, I had some twisty, like, viney um what was it driftwood and things of that nature then they will web up all of that and create like a cocoon of web around their whole den which is really cool so you can do some interesting almost semi-arboreal setups with them but the only thing i'd worry about with those exoterras is, is those little vents in the front you got to make sure you have to make sure hey gotta you have to make sure you have something that they can't get out of because obviously a sling that's an inch long can get out of a pretty small space you want to be careful of that so I've also had people talk about using like a large critter keeper. And again, the size of the critter keeper I think would be okay. You could put a bunch of substrate in it, some nice decorations to give them something to web to. You need to be very, very careful about them slats, the vents, and the top of the critter keeper. That would permit most slings to get out. So if you do use one, you're going to have to find a way to cover up some of those slents and revent it a different way so that they can't get out. Just something to think about. Even the container I got for mine had plastic vents in the side, and I ended up having to cover the plastic vents with screen, basically hot cut screen in a circle and hot glued it in and that kept them in. And again, I don't think this is a species that is as likely to escape as sun. I don't want to give people a false sense of security, but from what I've seen, they will... They will wander out a little bit from the den, but they're not really like other species that will take off and try to find new dens. They want to stay together. That is their home, that is their home base. So, just something to think about, but that doesn't mean leave a bunch of gaps and hope they don't get out. Make sure you secure all the openings. So, as far as growth rate, that was another thing I noticed with these guys that was amazing. The growth rate was absolutely through the roof. It took my guys a total of of one year almost to the date to get about three and a half inches be sporting their adult colors that's when I did my rehousing however my other ones as I mentioned earlier it was about three years for one to go one point one and a quarter inch to about three inches or so so I saw a huge difference and again I think that was because how much bolder they were as far as eating now to tackle one of the biggest questions I get about them couple different variations of it. Number one, do they have to be from the same sacks? Now I've heard, and I will tell you from my own experience, I believe mine were from two different sacks, if I'm not mistaken, that as long as they're around the same size, there should be absolutely no problem. You introduce them in, they seem to go to the same area. They seem to identify that they are the same species and they get along fine. So Generally, what I've heard and seen, well, not only seen from my own experience, but heard from other people, because since I've started doing this, you know, back in 2000, was it July of 2016, or June of 2016, I've had a lot of folks not only email to ask about them, but to share their experiences. It sounds like people have a lot of luck when you just drop in, you know, several of the same size. I have, as my dog shakes off in the background, I have had people say that they have actually introduced specimens that are not the same size and didn't have an issue with it. Um, I had one woman who contacted me said that she had started with a uh, sub-adult female and dropped in a few juveniles with it and that they were all living fine together. now, would I try this myself I I don't know it sounds good but at first I didn't even know if I wanted to try to start a communal with these guys because I was afraid of doing it there's nothing really about them that would surprise me at this point but I do think that's interesting to note that she had no problem and they were living together I believe for a year one of them matured out was a male and I don't know if they bred or what I didn't I lost contact but that is something interesting to know somebody else told me that they started ones off that were about I believe it was three quarter inches with ones that were over an inch, an inch and a half, and they didn't have any problem. However, I did have somebody else that said they started ones that one was about two and a half inches and there were a couple smaller ones. And when all was said and done, there were only two left. They weren't sure it was cannibalism, but that's something to keep in mind. So I'm hoping that after doing this, and I do plan on doing a YouTube video where I encapsulate the whole thing for people that don't feel like sitting through, it's probably a couple hours of videos on these guys. To explain what I saw in my experiences, I do hope people chime in with their own experience on this because, again, I think there's more strength and uh, credibility when more people are able to witness them. I believe in things I see. I try to be observant. I set this thing up specifically to watch what would happen. But don't just take my word for it. It would be nice to get other people's words for it. So it sounds like you can mix up just about anything. One thing I was told is if there were a lot of males in the communal, that can upset the communal, the kind of the energy of the communal. I only had one male. He would come, and I have some film of it where he'd come and seem to approach some of the females. The females would kind of patty cake with him a little bit and then go, like, get away from me. And he'd just calmly walk away. He wasn't really stirring anything up. He did wander a bit because I'm sure... There was probably a point where you realized these ladies aren't into what I'm trying to peddle here and went off to try to find another female and I did pair him with my big female so he did get to do the deed but... I didn't see a disruption, I talked to somebody else that had two males, I believe with six of them, didn't have an issue, but that is something to think about, that if you have a bunch of mature males in there, especially if they're mature females, I'm guessing that would make a lot of difference, then that could be problematic with the males coming around trying to jockey for position with the females, and I could see that becoming a bit chaotic, so that's something to think about if you set one of these up. Another question I get quite a bit is, can I drop one in? I already own one, and can I drop a couple more in with them? Again, I've heard some very positive things from people about having already one in an enclosure that's a big enough size that they can drop a couple extra in, and they have no issues. However, I don't know. I haven't done it personally. So it sounds like people have had luck dropping ones in. However, I had an email recently from somebody who had tried to put theirs together and two of the specimens that were larger specimens actually went at it now they both lived it, it sounded to me and I've seen mine scuffle before they don't seem to try to kill each other when they scuffle but there is a dominance thing where they lock legs and try to throw each it looks pretty scary and looks like they're trying to kill each other but apparently neither of them were seriously hurt and this was a situation where i believe she had dropped uh she had some and she went to drop new ones in and they fought so that might have been a situation where the ones that were already in there had already basically created their territory and i know we mentioned they don't they're not territorial but this would be a different situation where you have something that's established it's created its den it's webbed up it's that's its home and all of a sudden there are interlopers now i was hoping she was asking whether or not she should drop them back in i honestly admitted that i would be a little Weary of it but if she sat right around and and watched the interactions maybe it would be fine I did not hear how it turned out I would have loved to because if they could have eventually gotten along that would have been huge to find out can they interact a little bit maybe establish dominance I know that arachnids aren't supposed to do dominance behavior but it does when you see it it does almost look like it and could they live peaceably after that I'm not sure so that's something people will still need to look at Uh, Another question I get, if they have babies, will there be issues there? I don't know. I honestly don't. I don't think mine are bred, thankfully, because I really, I I honestly, as cool as it would be, and Billy and I were talking about this the other night, like, on one hand, it would be incredibly cool to have that tank filled with little babies, but on another hand, I don't know how it's going to pan out and trying to get those babies out eventually. I have eight females. If all of them got bred and produced 100 that's 800 slings in there. That could be a nightmare. But I have. I would have to assume, and this is just an assumption, that they would probably, each mom would probably have its own den, or her own den with her babies, and they probably wouldn't interact too, too much at that point. They would stay in that area. If I dropped slings in, moms would hunt. I don't know if moms would hunt over the food. If I dropped in a bunch of crickets, what would the moms do? But I have heard instances where people have had two Balfouris, and one of them has adopted another Balfouris slings, and I tried to find this article, and again, trying to find this stuff, you find it one time, and then you can't find it again, uh, was really difficult, I was hoping to find this, but somebody detailed how they pulled a female out, or a female died, and another female ended up, the slings basically migrated over, so that's incredibly interesting, I try to find other animals in the animal kingdom where they'll adopt another another female's offspring it doesn't usually happen so that would be incredibly cool so again this is a gap in something I don't know when people ask me I I give my best educated guess maybe someday I'll get to see it with mine eventually I will probably if these females weren't already bred I think they're too young to breed right now but I don't know I could be surprised haven't seen them very much this winter they could be bred but if I breed them down the road that would be something I'd want to look at as much as I do not want to see my females fighting that would be horrifying so hopefully they do get along really well So for the meantime, that'll probably be something that's for down the road. Now, one of the questions I wanted to ask is do they actually – or answer when I set this up is do they actually socialize? And uh, the one thing I will say is that I've seen many indications that these guys recognize each other and it's more than just a, a, hey, get out of my way type of thing. I've seen – Several incredible instances of them, quote unquote, we'll call it socializing. Uh, For one, when they were little, I had a picture called that I referred to as the spider pile where they would come up on their webbing and basically all hang out together in like a pile. They were purposely in close proximity and if you disturb them too much they would all kind of go into the den at the same time so this was this was beyond just one or two of them hanging out and having to, happening to be in the same area they were looking to be with each other kind of like my dogs I have uh three pet crosses and they get chilly they love to cuddle with each other and they'll all get in like a little pile on my couch which is adorable and the lab looks at them like you're crazy she doesn't want anything to do with it but it was kind of like that type of thing where they were seeking out each other in a situation that was beyond just we happen to be in the same corner as they've gotten older I I've seen instances and again you can the video is so much better than listening to my voice right now I can tell you where they have come up and kind of interacted and tapped each other they've come up and kind of almost look like a breeding behavior where they intermingled their front legs and try to feel each other out and like there's almost seems to be a recognition there's been points where they've encountered each other done this and then both sit down right next to each other and kind of stay put next to each other which is kind of cool there was an instance where I caught one of them almost I, I don't even know how to explain this behavior it was like patting the other one on the abdomen and some people speculated that this could be some type of hierarchical behavior one of them is trying to establish dominance over the other somebody else came on and said bugs and insects and arachnids don't or can't do that but I have to say if you watch it it's compelling and it's not breeding behavior and they are doing something really weird there which could be somebody just kind of going like I'm in charge like the dogs will do okay keep bringing it back to my dogs love my dogs so I have definitely to answer this question people ask do they actually are they social are they a true community my answer using my communal as an example is absolutely a resounding yes they do appear to thrive in each other's company they grew faster they ate better they're bolder I saw these guys out much more my single ones would be gone all winter although mine have been gone this winter which goes back to I'm not sure if they're bred or not we'll see that might be another update in itself. They interact with each other. They As slings, they would go to the same area. As adults, they'll come out and you'll see two or three of them in the same area. They seem to genuinely benefit from being kept with each other in close proximity. So something to think about. As far as adult enclosures, so say you picked it up, you've got your slings. I would personally encourage people setting these up to give yourself some room to start off. I, I saw somebody had set one up and they put them in very small enclosures to start off. I I don't, and I believe what they had heard, and I I don't agree with this, was that you have to keep them smushed together or else they'll establish territories. That's uh, We've already disproven that earlier in this podcast and in my video and some pictures I have. That's not the case. Of this species, you can give them some room to grow. They will grow quickly, and I've heard from a couple people lately that said they've been shocked at how fast these guys are putting on size so give yourself a little room give them something a foot by eight inches by eight inches or so give yourself some room to play and some room for them to grow and then when they hit about two and a half to three inches and you'll see it, it'll start getting a little tight then bump them into something larger i believe the one i have now is either 11 by 11 by 24 or 12 by 12 by 24 i believe it's 11 by 11 by 24 and they have plenty of room in there these aren't this isn't a particularly large species and there are nine of them in there now, although I have to say I haven't seen my male in quite some time, and I wonder if he might have finally gone off to the big spider pile in the sky. Uh, he's, he was out quite a bit. I brought him with my female. He was out quite a bit when I put him back in, and then he disappeared. So I don't know where he went. Um, might be it for him. But So even so, there's eight in there now, and they have plenty of room. And if by chance they're pregnant and or they're having offspring that should be enough room to start obviously i can't leave those offspring in there that would be a nightmare so i'd have to get either something much much larger to give them some room or i will be obviously taking out the spiderlings and selling them but again i don't want anybody to be confused this is not a breeding project at this point i'm honestly hoping they're not bred because i'm not ready for that quite yet maybe over the summer when i'm home all day because taking all those babies out of there is going to be a nightmare so with the larger ones you're looking at something uh, eh, 10 15 gallons or so maybe larger if you have more 20 gallon long would probably work and again if you see how i set mine up i tried to use some scopes i think i bought a resin sculpture that was kind of looks like roots coming out of the ground that's i like that setup and i've seen other people do it as well i did not come up with that by myself i saw somebody set one up i thought was really cool and tried to come up with my own version of it but something with roots, driftwood, you can keep these enclosures completely dry so you don't have to worry about mold, but just make sure it's not it doesn't have anything treated with anything that's going to hurt the animals. But something that you can make kind of a sculpture and give them a few inches of substrate at least to dig in because they will burrow a bit underneath them, but they'll also web up on top. Really cool to see all the different tunnel entrances and to see the little legs hanging out when they're ready to eat. But again, something 15, 20 gallons, 10, 15, 20, depending on how many you have will work. You can, There are some beautiful acrylic enclosures, uh, enclosures out there. There, things of that nature. For a few of them, you may be able to get away with an extra large critter keeper, but I wouldn't put more than maybe three or four in it. Um, so there are alternatives, but if you're going to, here's my take on it, and I'm one that I'm thrifty and try to save money at times because I'd rather buy spiders a lot of times in fancy cages, although I have been moving over to buying a lot more nicer cages. It, this would be one you want to splurge on if you're going to set up a communal you want this thing to look nice and pretty and and want it to be the focal point of your collection so spend a little money pick up one of those acrylic ones i got mine from lorex plastics i thought they did a beautiful job on it just make sure you get the drilled vents but again, this is one I wouldn't skimp on. If you're spending the money for Balfour, and they can be pricey, especially if you're trying to set up a decent sized communal, then set some money aside and, and make a nice setup for them. And again, for folks, anybody out there using Sterilite or something like that, I am not judging. We've seen my tour of my transfer room. I have a lot of that. I just think this is one where folks could really put something together nice. And it could be even if you, the majority of your things are in Sterilite and there's absolutely nothing wrong. I got a bunch of my room myself. You could put together something really nice with these ones. Now, feeding is usually something that comes up quite a bit, so I probably should tackle this. One of the biggest concerns is that you. the big rule of thumb is that when you feed a tarantula, you drop something in, you take it out in 24 hours if it isn't eaten because a cricket especially, the, some of the roaches don't seem to bother them. Although, I guess the potential is there. Mealworms can definitely, or uh, superworms can do some damage. They can hurt a molting Uh, tarantula they can bite them there's been instances where crickets have chewed right through them really gnarly stuff so you don't want to ever take the chance of having something being pre-molt you drop a cricket in thing molts and the crickets over there feasting on it because remember they're going to be attracted to moisture and a tarantula after molting is very very wet so you can see how it would easily gravitate toward it like "Mm, yummy so we want to avoid that however I had a lot of people freaking out when I told them how I fed these guys when I first got them I started off with a pre-killed and I would basically kill several things larger big prey items Rip them apart and leave them at the entrances. When they started eating live, what I would start doing is dropping in several live items at the same time. So we're talking sometimes 14, 15 crickets, a pop for nine of them because some of them would take more than one. And there was a lot of fear that from people and, and I get it 100% and I worried about it at first too that well what happens if one of those crickets goes down the hole and eats something but here's the deal there's always they don't generally all molt the exact same time so there's always going to be somebody eating and although I've heard that they will guard molting members of their communal like they will stand guard I can't say I've witnessed that per se, but there are always specimens that are ready to eat in those tunnel entrances. And generally, if something hits that webbing, it's getting snatched up. So knock on wood, I haven't had any issues whatsoever with that. We didn't lose a single one, and I continue to drop prey items in. I would go between uh, red racers, although I will say the first batch of red racers, or red runners, I always call them the wrong thing, first batch of red runners I dropped in, those were smart little guys, because they were actually actively hiding away from the webbing, so they lived there for quite some time, because I originally, when I was giving them pre-killed, I decided I'd drop in some small red runners, and see how it go, and they weren't eating the red runners, so the red runners were hiding, and then one by one they got picked off, until finally, I think these guys went out hunting and grabbed them all but crickets work great you drop them in and if you the trick is I think they don't seem to fight over food so that's not that shouldn't be an issue with this species if you do the communal setup but I think the trick is there should be at least one for everyone you're dropping in that was just my rule of thumb and I dropped in a couple extra because I have seen them grab two so now if you drop in you have five in your communal you drop in five and one of them grabs up two of them now you're kind of in a spot because somebody's not getting fed now again they don't seem to attack each other or register each other as a food source which is great but you don't want somebody going hungry and creating conflict when they start fighting over the food as slings I would feed them usually twice a week as they put on just like with all my spiders as they put on size and became juveniles you know we're talking inch and a half or so I changed it to once a week but was dumping in rather larger prey items or were getting medium crickets at that time now that they're adults it's one usually right around once a week I will open it up and drop in 20 crickets large crickets or some roaches I've used the red runners as well the large red runners And I've had no issues. You just want to keep track. You'll catch some of them out. And when they're looking a little skinny, that means there's probably a few of them that have molted recently. And you want to make sure that they have food. But they've been great. As far as water, I keep a shallow water dish that I keep filled up. And I have caught them drinking before. Um, So that's something to think about. I know this is a dry species, but the water dish is always imperative. And if you're ever worried about them getting a drink or want to give them an, another spot to get a drink, you can always do the trick. And I've done this several times where I just trickle some water on the webbing and I have caught ones just kind of come out of the tunnel or out of their holes and drink a little bit. And that works great. But other than that, they are very, I, I love the species because Besides the fact that they can be kept communally, they're just a beautiful species and they're a very hardy species. I mean, these guys, they live, they live in a place that's not particularly hospitable and they do very, very well in most conditions. They can tolerate a little cooler, they can tolerate a little warmer. So just an amazing species overall. So to finish this one off, I guess my advice would be, if you're going to start with a communal, congratulations! It's probably the most rewarding thing you're ever going to do in this hobby. And I have found that even people that don't know a thing about tarantulas, when you tell them that technically speaking they are cannibals and these guys can live together and socialize, and you can show pictures of it, they do find it to be very fascinating. Um, I would basically encourage anyone to do it. Start with some slings. Buy from one vendor. Try not to be picking. You know, let's let's make things very easy to start off. Buy them from one place. Yet, you know, everybody asks me, and this is another question, how many can you start with? Well, start with how many you want. I would think for a communal, you want at least three. I would say five is a great number. Tiny gave me one heck of a deal on the nine, so please don't think I'm out there super wealthy buying all these things. It, it, It was a great deal, which is why I did nine, and I truly understand when people don't have the money. I feel bad. They're like, well, I can't afford it. Believe me, I get it, 100%. But if you can do five, you can usually get some pretty good deals on them. Start them in a larger enclosure. Give them some room. They are not, they should not stake out their own territories this species doesn't do that give them some deep substrate pack down some moist stuff if you want put some dry stuff over it give them some cork bark to hide under some things to web to anything like some type of driftwood or stringy there's a thing uh, not grapevine was spider wood I think it is a buddy of mine Casey does the aquariums and he mentioned it. it's just very very expensive but if you can get a hold of some pieces of that you can do some stuff with hot glue give them a place to go they should all go to one den Pre-kill your prey if you start off with small ones to start off. When you see them, you can easily watch them come out and feed. It's amazing to watch. And once they put on a little size, try them with smaller prey, either small crickets, something normally a little smaller than you'd normally start them with because this species does seem to take a little while to start eating live prey in some instances. And then let them grow into their enclosure when they get a little bit bigger with your rehousings. I did a rehousing with all mine, a video. You can see how I did it. It really wasn't that bad. But then you want to probably drop them into their adult adult size enclosure. And we talked about the fact that anything 10 gallons and up is probably fine. Just make sure you put in, again, that deep, deep dry substrate at this point. Um, picked, I, again, did the mixture of peat moss, topsoil with some sand to give it a sandy texture. I kind of like it. And I've heard people say they like the way it looks put in those decorations so they can web to, some pre-started burrows, some cork bar, give them a place to run to right off the bat so they can feel secure. And then as they get settled in, you'll see them start burrowing. They web up the inside of the burrows. They come up, they web up the stuff up top. As far as feeding schedules, keep those slings well fed. I do this with all my slings. This isn't exclusive to the Monosotropis balforis, but I would drop in dead ones to start twice a week or so, maybe even three if you feel like it. Once you go to live prey, again, twice a week until they put on some size in them once a week or so, drop in a few more than you actually have spiders in there, which will allow everybody to get some if they need one and if you get some piggies to eat more than one and make sure that, again, there's extras left over. And that's about it. Give them a water dish and watch them grow it's absolutely amazing so that would be my advice I know I'm going to get more questions on these and obviously the podcasts. there's more tons more people watching my YouTube videos right now than listening to the podcast so I will probably do this as well somewhere along the line in a YouTube video and I'll but in the meantime I'll still get questions but that's where I would encourage people to start off make it easy on yourself buy them from one place set that thing up and watch them grow So, again, hopefully that covered just about everything. I'm sure every time I do one of these things, it's a little different than the YouTube videos because I can stop, edit, see what I missed, add notes. I can't do it, so I have to get everything in one shot. So, again, if if I missed something or or there's a question I didn't answer, please come on to my Facebook page. I always post up when these things go live a link to it, and that's a good place to respond to it and go, hey, you didn't mention anything about this. So, for example, I'm thinking right now I didn't mention temperatures so we'll cover it right now as i'm doing my outro temperature wise room temperature they do perfectly fine i remember reading they had to be kept super warm that's not true my first ones were kept at 68 just think they won't probably eat as well as if they're kept a little warmer this communal was always kept in the 70s low 70s in the winter high 70s in the summer and they grew fine and again just a reminder sometimes they will disappear during the winter time it's like a little mini hibernation There, I covered that, so you can't question that. But if there's anything else I missed, please leave a comment on my Facebook page. I try to monitor that and get back to them because that's the best way to correspond over these. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, have fun spidering or whatever our catchphrase is going to be at the end of these. I stole that one from Tanya. I kind of like it. Or get your spider on. There we go. That's my corny one of the day. Have a good one, guys.